Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission with Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent. And uh, with ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is value-based education with Dr. Neil Hawk. And he is connecting with me today all the way from the UK. Nice. Thank you so much, Dr. Hawks, Dr. Neil, for being with us today. Please, please, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Please share your story, share your journey, how you got started in this wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you very much indeed, Caroline, for a fantastic welcome. It's a great privilege to speak to you today, all the way from uh, the United Kingdom. I'm in England at the moment, uh, in my home, and um, we're enjoying good weather and sunshine, and uh, I hope everybody that's listening is, is in good weather conditions. Uh, the British always talk about the weather, so I have to do that then. <laughs> uh, just before we got started recording, I was sharing with you two days ago, I'm in the Poconos, and I talk a lot about my weather conditions here, because this year has been very interesting in the Poconos, which is in the northeastern part of Pennsylvania. For those, a lot of people have heard of the Poconos, not everybody knows exactly where the Poconos is, but we're in northeastern Pennsylvania, and the weather has been very gloomy. We had tornado go by uh, two days ago and I was without power for several hours. So I'm just glad that it didn't happen today. So I have power today. <laughs> yes. It's very uh, good weather here and we're, we're pleased in England because we have a, a special wedding coming up on Saturday uh, when Prince Harry is uh, marrying the American uh, Meghan Markle and everybody is really thrilled about that in the UK and uh, the weather's good, uh, everyone's very happy, so it's a sign of unity and uh, I think that will bring a lot of folk together. Um, yes. I'm very much for people marrying different people from different countries and so that we have a global community and a global perspective on life, which I think with your theme of oneness is really, really important. Yes, I, I totally agree. Like I shared with you, and my, my listeners know, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched news since September 11, 2001. So I haven't watched news in probably close to 18 years. But I always, I'm on the internet, and I do know what's going on. So I know, know that um, Prince Harry is getting married. I didn't know when. That now I'm just knowing, finding out it's this... Um, this Saturday, and I knew it was an American, and I, I've been seeing their pictures, and I think they're a beautiful couple, and I am, I'm very, very happy, and I, and I also know that his mom is smiling down on him right now, too, I, I do, I, I, I very much, I talk a lot about um, eternal life 
on this show. And I know that our loved ones are not gone. And I know Princess Diana is not gone and she's very proud of both her boys. And, and I, just me as a mom, my son is in spirit. And me being a mom, I could just feel that joy that she's feeling right now. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for that. So, yes. yeah, so it's, yes. it's a good time to be talking at the moment about these, these matters. Yes. Um, you asked me about uh, my journey. Um, yes. For folks that are listening, I describe myself as a teacher and I'm very proud to be a teacher. Um, I trained to be a teacher as a very young man and I learned my craft in many, many different types of schools. I've taught in all sorts of what we call in the UK state schools, which mm -hmm. are uh, publicly funded schools. They're okay. not private schools. And uh, I taught in many different communities and uh, I... I love observing people and uh, I'm well known because I, I talk about being a people watcher. I love, it's like talking to you, Caroline. I love being with you and observing and uh, thinking about your story and what's made you who you are. So I enjoyed working with children. I've worked with very small children and older children. So I've had a, a variety of experiences. And I also trained as a youth leader. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very important to do. So I, I used to help run youth clubs in the youth UK. And so I got to know the adolescent person as well as very young children and, and children a bit older. So, so I'm really interested in child development mm -hmm. and how children can be helped to have uh, a lot of um, potential. I have an expression I use, which is, we should enable children to take off the lid of their potential. I think all sorts of social conditions, uh, family conditions, they put a lid on children. It's like a glass ceiling and children then think, well, I, I can't do this. So as a young child, uh, some of the lids were put on my potential and I grew up thinking that I wasn't going to do very well. People said, well, he's slow, he can't learn very quickly, you know. And so I, I experienced myself, you know, some of those lids going on. Um, but I didn't allow lids to stop me. I had incredible determination and I had a wonderful grandmother. And uh, my grandmother uh, enabled me to think well and to talk to people and be an observer. So being an observer in a kindly, compassionate way, not in a critical way, I think is really important for us. So the children taught me about, well, not the children, I'll talk about a wonderful teacher. When I was on teaching practice as a student, I was with a, a wonderful teacher called Peter Long. And Peter Long uh, was the model of what a good teacher for me is. And the reason I say that is he could make incredible connections with children. He had that ability to connect as a human being. Yes. And that connection then meant he had trusting relationships with the class and with individual children. And in his class, behavior wasn't a problem uh, because of that relationship. He had incredible compassion and understanding. He could deal well with children that weren't very clever and children who were very clever. But okay. everyone felt good in his class. Wow. No one felt that they were inadequate. So Peter was my role model. And I thought if I could be just a little bit like him in the future, 
then I thought I'd be okay. Wow. So, I'd love to share with you because there's so, I, I find this with all of my guests. There's so much I can identify with with you. Well, A, I don't know. I think I mentioned this to you before um, that I teach. I am a piano teacher. I teach, I've been teaching piano lessons for 25 years. And I took my love of children and my love of music. And, and that's how I became, became a piano teacher. Um, but the other thing, when I was growing up, um, I was made to feel by my parents and, and um, teachers that I wasn't very bright. I, I, I was a slow reader, and I'm still a slow reader. Like, I love to read, but I'm a slow reader. And so I, and my parents would say to me, because I had an older brother who did very well in school, why aren't you more like your brother? And, you know, that just made me, as a child, four or five years old, that made me feel very small and insignificant. But I, like you, at, at some point in my adolescence, I said to myself, I'm not dumb. <laughs> you know, I did. Because other people, adults and, and teachers would make me feel like I thought I, I was dumb. But I, I, I remember in my early adolescence thinking, yeah, I'm a slow reader, but I like to read. I'm not dumb. <laughs> so I kind of had to tell myself that. I didn't have a, 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 an adult telling me that. So I can identify very much with what you're saying. I hope the listeners are listening to what you've just said, Caroline, because uh, that's an inspiration. Um, no one should feel inadequate. Um, we, in my view, we are all born wonderful. Each one of us is unique and wonderful. Um, so we, the, the essence, the spirit, the consciousness, whatever word you like to call it, or soul, yes. that, that essence of us is, is absolutely incredible. Now, when we come into social conditions, we come into a family, and that family may be having it tough. And for all sorts of reasons, we have to learn to cope within the environment we find ourselves in. And yeah. so we use strategies for coping. And some of those strategies may not be very good, and <laughs> some may be. So our personality becomes adapted to the circumstances we find ourselves in. I've worked with all sorts of children that have had difficult uh, starts in their lives. But if you sow the seed of hope, you sow the seed, you, you help them realize that they are truly great, they can do it. So you, you help them to understand that they can have confidence, not arrogance. I, arrogance is something else. We see some you know, people who ought to know better, who are leaders, who are arrogant. And arrogance always has an effect on other people. It's a put down. And mm -hmm. so we have to help every one of us to be the best person we can be. Yes. And we don't compare ourselves with anybody else. It's the best person that we can be. Yes. And uh, my own rule of thumb is never hurt anybody else, never do anything to another human being that will hurt them in any way. I've never intentionally hurt anyone. Whether I've unintentionally done it, I don't know, but I've never intentionally done it. Yes. And I think that's one of the guiding principles of, of my life. And when I track back, it probably came from my parents and my, particularly my grandmother who lived with us. And when my parents were working, she spent hours and hours sitting with me yes. <laughs> and talking to me. 
So I often hear myself talking and I think, that's grandma talking now. <laughs> it's not me. Yeah. I don't know if you've had that experience yourself, being influenced by, by other people. Actually, not, not younger, not when I was younger. I, like I said, it was something inside of me, kind of like what I said about stop watching news. It was something inside of me that told me after 9-11, when there was nothing on but not, uh, news, something loud and clear, not audibly, but inside me, my spirit said, turn off that news and don't ever turn it back on. And at that time, I didn't even know why. I was just obedient. So I have to say, from a very from very young, I was always guided by spirit from within, not audibly, but just intuitively. And I, I always followed that guidance. So my guidance when I was young was from within. But as I got older, I started studying a lot of um, very wise uh, material that helped me awaken to, to what I say, the truth of oneness, which changed my life. Yes, I can see that. Yes. It's interesting you talk about the news. I, I do watch the news, but I have a rule. I don't watch it late in the evening. Good. Um, because I think, uh, and I, when I give talks, I always advise people after <laughs> six o'clock in the evening, avoid the news because the news tends to be negative. Yes. It tends to highlight the tragedies in the world. It doesn't yes. highlight all the good things that have gone on during the day. Exactly. So, so one goes to bed with those negative thoughts in the mind and that does no good for your sleep exactly. and your own well-being. Yes, um, true. Yeah. Very I, true. I'll come on to well-being later on in our conversation, but I, I'm yes. particularly concerned about that whole area at the moment. Yes, yes. Well, like I said, when I, when Spirit told me to turn off the news, I honestly didn't know why. I even said aloud, I don't know why, but I'm going to do this, you know, honestly. So, uh, but I, I did come to learn, to understand yeah. why. It, exactly yeah. for what you said. It, yeah. It's the, the, the negative um, vibration of the news media, and it only focuses on, there is just as much good, if not more, going on in the world, but you don't hear that in the news. So, yeah. so that's, yes, yes. Yeah. So to continue my little journey, uh, yes. uh, I trained to be a teacher and then I was a teacher and uh, I had an amazing time. I loved being a teacher. Uh, I loved the relationships. Um, I emphasized relationships with children because as I said earlier, I believe if you have a really good relationship with children, then they, then they start learning even more effectively. Yes. Um, because they're confident, they're relaxed, um, they trust you, and uh, you know, then everything happens. So I, I really worked very, very hard to become the best teacher that I could be. I'm sure there are better teachers, but the best <laughs> person I could be. Um, and I had lots of good role models, and some role models that weren't so good. Right. And I learned from those role models. Exactly. Too. You learn, yes. <laughs> yes, you learn from both. And, yes. it, it, and it's wonderful because I can tell you found your passion and you followed your passion. Yeah. One of the things I say to my students um, with music, and they don't have to stick with music if that's not their passion, but I say to them, do what you love and you never have to work a day in your life. Yeah. And so it's and that and you found what you love, which is teaching, and that is beautiful. Yes. 
I totally agree. Um, as I look back now, from my age now, on my career, it hasn't been a job, it's been a vocation. Yes. And I feel very sad, Caroline, when I hear young teachers now tell me that uh, because of the pressures on teaching, which are far greater now than when I started out, mm -hmm. that it, for many people it is, it is stressful. It's not the vocation that it ought to be. Because right. all, there are all sorts of reasons for that. But everything in life has become more complex. Mm -hmm. uh, relationships are more complex. Society is more complex. Um, there's so many variables now. And the, the expectation on people, whether it's in the health service, the fire service, teaching, uh, is much greater now than ever before, uh, which causes a lot of harm. But when I started out, it was a joy, you know. Um, and then I, I started to be interested in getting a promotion, um, mm -hmm. not because I wanted power, but I wanted to really uh, enable more and more children to experience the sort of environment, school environments, that I thought were best. And I, I had lots of um, people that I, I went to, to, to look at how they ran schools, what they did. How could we really have a, a really great system that would educationally enable children to be the best they could be? Um, academically, socially, and personally. How could we get all those three things together? Um, lots of school systems are, are interested in getting, you know, high grades and things like that. Right. Um, that is only a part of a, of a story and systems that only look for high grades, the children miss out tremendously in all sorts of other ways. So I started to think of how could we educate children, what I call holistically, mm -hmm. that is the whole, the whole. Nature, whole person. Yes. You know, when we're made up with so many different aspects of ourselves, emotions, we've got a spirit within us that drives us, we've got uh, an intellect. Um, there's so many aspects of us, we've got, intelligence you talked earlier about your own experience when you knew you weren't done yes. um, of course you're not done you've got incredible interpersonal and intrapersonal intelligence yes. but years ago they didn't know about those aspects of intelligence there are at least eight or nine basic intelligences but mm -hmm. most, most school systems only think there are two and that's mathematical and linguistic and if you're not good in those subjects, you're told you're dumb, whereas you're not at all. And sometimes you need a little bit of extra practice, confidence, and you'll make it. But, you, you know, look at speaking to you now, this is the second time we've yes. spoken. Yes. We had another occasion. You know, yes. your range of intelligence is incredible. So uh, don't let anyone say that you're not intelligent. And I hope all the listeners and viewers will say, well, what can I celebrate in me? Yes. You know, what is it? Am I artistic? Am I musical? Am I good with people? Am I a good listener? Yes. What is it that I can celebrate about me? And I've always found with everybody, they've got something. But yes. some people have allowed themselves to be pushed down yes. and they then buy into, I'm not any good. 
And if anybody's out there listening, please may I just say to you, you're wonderful and just remember you are. You're a unique human being. There's nobody like you on this planet. And celebrate that and enjoy that. And don't compare yourself with anybody else. Exactly, exactly. I, I say I, that uh, rings so true. We are all unique, divine aspects of God. And we're all like, I, I like to say we're like um, different shape puzzle pieces that all fit together to make the whole. But yes, we, that, that uniqueness that is us is why we came here to express that. And, and we're all perfect. Yeah, exactly the way we are. So yeah. I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Please, please. And I love how you said, I love you said holistic education. I love that. Because when I think of holistic, I think of mind, body, and spirit, the whole person. Oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So uh, I traveled on and I got positions in the UK system. I was what's known as a head teacher here in many countries, a principal. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the British system, a principal is quite independent. So I was allowed to develop my thinking and to uh, implement ideas and to see what happened. And I was really lucky because I had colleagues working with me who really enjoyed the sort of schools we were developing. I then went on to be uh, a really quite senior person in the education system. And then I had one of those epiphany moments. I was talking to a a large group of teachers uh, about what makes good educational practice. What is good teaching, really? Mm -hmm. And I was talking. And then suddenly I noticed somebody sitting at the back of the room. And the person at the back of the room was sitting with her arms folded. And she was not looking very happy. Mm -hmm. Now, at that moment, I put myself in her position and I thought, what is she saying now? And what I thought in my mind, I said, well, what she's saying is, if he, could, if he really believes in what he's talking about, he'd actually do it, not just talk to us about it. And so I thought, Neil, you've now got to do something. So what happened to me then? I went to my bosses and I said, I'm resigning. <laughs> they said, oh. you've got a good job near why do you want to resign? And I said, well, I've had this moment where I believe now I've got to return to the, be a principal, head teacher of a school, and see if actually the ideas that I, I was forming so strongly, um, and I was being influenced by all sorts of people and ideas, and I thought, I've got to be a principal head teacher again. So uh, that took me to a school um, in Oxford in the United Kingdom. And uh, mm-hmm. I then was appointed and uh, I then started this incredible seven years of my story mm-hmm. uh, whereby I worked with a community. Now, in the English system, schools tend to neighborhood schools yes they are not so we don't have lots of children being bus miles and miles to integrate the community they 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 tend to be locality schools so Mm -hmm. this was a locality with lots and lots of different sorts of people so it was a mixture of exciting people from all sorts of ways of living so it wasn't one 
group of people. It was a lot. And yes. so this was a wonderful, um, wonderful furtive field, really, to, to nourish and grow uh, children. But we worked, I emphasize, we worked with the community. It mm -hmm. wasn't teachers doing things to the community. So I involved everyone as much as I could. Um, and we started to get well known. And uh, wow. um, someone, uh, a writer, found out about us and came to write uh, about our story. And yes. the story was called A Quiet Revolution. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's a revolution of the heart, Hearts. not yes. of the gun. Yes. So that's what it meant. And yes. she wanted to see what was going on in the school. And then she discovered what we were doing. And then people started to come to see. And we had lots and lots of visitors. And, uh, wow. And so the news about what we were doing spread. Yes. I then uh, started to take the message out to other people. I, uh, I left that school in the end, in the safe hands of, of other people, and then took the methodology and philosophy to the whole of a part of uh, the UK. And yes. then, then I've been now working for the last ooh, 15 years, I suppose. Um, yes. 10 to 15 years I've been taking this ideology, thinking, not only in the UK, but throughout the world. Yes. So I've been very privileged uh, to work with lots and lots of educators throughout the world who want to do things differently, who yes. see the sense of, of challenging the present system, which doesn't seem to really benefit. Um, I challenge politicians in a very friendly, polite way, but I yes. challenge them. Often politicians interfere with school systems uh, mm -hmm. from the best of motives, but they don't understand right. about child development and what's best for children. So um, I try it in my own way to help them see how best we can help children learn in the 21st century. Yes. Um, two weeks, three weeks ago, I gave a, a TEDx talk. I don't oh. think you don't, do you, are you aware of TEDx? Oh, yes. I love TEDx. Yeah. Yeah. So I so, and I had 16 minutes to explain uh, the philosophy and yeah. that will come out live in about three weeks time now. Oh, okay. I was about this. I was about to go look for it right now. <laughs> oh, but I, I will love it because once when it comes out, I will definitely, I will link it with this, um, with this oh, show. Yes, yes. Too. Yes, yeah. I will. Um, so please, can you, go, can you go into a little detail of the philosophy of the value-based education for our listeners? Yes, certainly. Um, the philosophy is now called values-based education. Um, sometimes I feel the word values can switch off people because yes. it can be misunderstood. Um, no title actually does justice to what I'm talking about. Uh, sometimes I prefer to talk about good educational practices and how you deliver those good educational practices within school uh, contexts. Um, but this title term we, we've, we've developed. And why, why, why values, why values? Um, talking to you this afternoon, well, it's afternoon for me, it's not for you. 
Um, no, it's still afternoon here. <laughs> yeah, <it's> afternoon. <laughs> You're late. I'm early yeah. afternoon. You're late. That's right. I'm late. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've lost where I was now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That happens to me all the time. You yeah. were you were going to tell us about the, the value based yeah, uh, education. Um, yes. Why values? Why I, values? Yes, I know exactly why I was. Okay. It was you I was meaning because <laughs> you portray values. Everybody does. Every teacher who stands up in front of children gives over their values. You can sense the values that someone has. A value is a principle that guides your thinking and behavior. That's what a value is. Yeah. They are things like respect, um, happiness, responsibility, integrity, equality, yes. uh, justice. Uh, all these words are value words. And all of us on this planet grow up and we portray the value system that we grow up in. Yes. So if we believe that being dishonest is is the way of our lives, then we take on what's known as a limiting value. Limiting values are, are the ones like envy, jealousy, corruption, uh, materialism even, you know, yes. they are things that hold human beings back. And what we said at the school is, is there a way we can nurture, nurture these positive values in children? What I was seeing early on in my career were children coming to school without a vocabulary of values. That means they didn't understand what a word like respect meant. Mm. They had a notional idea, but they didn't really understand. And if they don't understand, then their behavior is selfish. It's not respectful. So we thought without being moralistic, yes. could we as I say, nurture, allow the children to experience living these positive values so that they could see the effect it would have on their lives. Okay. They would see that suddenly they would be better in their relationships with people. They would be more tolerant, more respectful. Things would start to happen for them uh, in a very positive way. So in the school, we wanted to see if what I've just said, does it work? You know, it sounds all very nice. Some, some of your listeners will be saying, oh yes, that's <laughs> idealism. It doesn't work. The world isn't like that. You know, come on now. So I wanted to see if it does work. So we worked with the children and I can tell you it does work. Yes. Brilliantly. It works if one thing happens, Caroline, and that is your whole school community is behind it and the teachers all agree to model the school's values. Mm. If only a few of them model it and some don't, then it doesn't work. It works when all the teachers are good role models for the values that the school community, the parents, the everybody involved with the school, right. they are the ones who choose these values. They say, these are what I, this is, we want our children to have these dispositions. 
okay. the, these gifts. We want our children to have these gifts so that they can use them in their life. So we all then started saying, okay, now it's very dif difficult for, to be a role model. Mm -hmm. People listening, I, you know, I could see you, I would say to you all, put up your hand if you're the perfect human being. <laughs> and I might have some people that put up their hands, but most of us would say, well, we're on a journey. Yeah. We're trying to bring out that, you would say bring out the perfection right. but but most of us can lose our temper most of us can for a moment out of awareness be rude and and whatever mm -hmm. um, in human behavior i told you earlier that i'm a people watcher what i've noticed with most of us myself included is that much of our behavior is outside of our awareness it's habitual we do things out of habit. We don't mean to be uh, disrespectful, but there's something in us that makes us laugh. So a part of the values-based philosophy, it's like holding up a mirror to ourselves, a, a very friendly mirror. Yes. But it's saying, come on now, really look deeply at yourself. Have a value such as tolerance. What does tolerance really mean? Not superficially. Yes. It's not, but what should it really look like in your life? Mm -hmm. And then you start practicing it. You really say, next time you meet someone who's not like you, be, how can you be tolerant and empathetic? Empathy is another value. How can you walk in the shoes of someone who doesn't have your experience and they don't have yours? So, in this, this way, the children developed what I call an ethical vocabulary. They learned to speak these values words so that they had a whole vocabulary. So we have English we speak or French or whatever language we speak. But there's this other language, which I say is the language of values, yes. which is, I believe, gives us a universal narrative. I would implore any politician listening to me today to use universal positive human values when they are talking to other people. If they use those values, then you have a connection with another human being. You can connect. So you're not, most relationships in the modern world are about control. Who controls the other person? So a husband might try to control the wife or the wife tries to control the husband. Um, in local politics, that happens. My party is better than your party. So everyone's looking for control. Life in the 21st century must go beyond that control mechanism. It must look for ways in which humanity can actually interact with each other at a, a very in one way simple, but in another way profound way of interacting. And I think the values words give a narrative, a way of speaking, a way of communicating that allows human beings actually to say, yeah, I can get on with you. You can get on with me. Let's stop this fear because we all live in fear-driven societies. Um, can I diverse and just talk about fear-driven societies? 
my own philosophy is that if an individual such as me or you Caroline or any of the listeners if we feel unhappy um, anxious um, worries because we don't know where our next meal is coming from or we're going to be out of a job or our partner has just left us so we've got this degree of what i call peacelessness we don't feel peace inside us we we're feeling distressed and we're feeling stressed so if we feel like that then we talk to our neighbors and perhaps they're feeling distressed and if that level of unhappiness gets to a certain level in society, then I believe we attract our leaders who will mirror that distress. So uh, when we look around the world at leaders, and I'm not meaning anyone in particular, or, you know, just leaders generally, um, then I want to see to what degree are they reflecting peacelessness or are they reflecting peace because internally they are peace gandhi said be the change you want to see in the world so it's for each one of us to find that peacefulness and we all have different roads to that Um, i have been in all sorts of religious communities throughout the world different faiths and i can see they're all on roads that are trying to get to this this peace. Yes. And um, so we have a chance to do that. And values-based education is when you base everything that you do in the school on a set of positive values. And that means the way you hire people, all your school policies, everything that you do you relate to those values and that's why it's it's really at one level very simple at another level it's very challenging Um, yes and everything you shared about your philosophy is oneness It, it i i call it unity within diversity it's 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 being able to love another respect another regardless of their religion regardless of their political views regard none of that it you don't have to you can respect and love a person without being in agreement just you have to to respect them is just to honor them as a person as a you another human being who has the right to have their own opinion and their own beliefs and you have a right to have your own opinion and your beliefs and just because the beliefs are not the same doesn't mean you can't love one another and share respectfully with one another Mm. so it's and that's what peace is all about it's Mm. not about making everybody the same it's about understanding and respecting and loving within the differences and 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 respecting everybody as divine and as unique and allowing them to yeah. be who they are as they allow you to be who you are yes that's beautiful well said i, I agree with what you said um it's interesting to me as uh, as i look at uh, the great religions of the world they all 
have within them the universal values. There is none of the great religions that don't have the values. That's why I'm supported by all the mainstream religions and people who do not have a religion, but right. see the sense of what uh, we are talking about. Um, it's interesting, beneath the belief system, there are values. Yes. And I've often said values will unite the world, but some beliefs can divide the world. Yes. So if we just come down from the belief system to the values that underpin all our beliefs, we yes. can start uniting. So love, for instance, love. you know, that is, that's a, a core value of most people in the world. Yes. So love. So we can unite with love. We can unite with honesty. We yes. can unite with justice. I'm very <laughs> passionate about justice, justice. Uh, because I do not believe in inequality. Um, I believe we're all on this planet as equals. Yes. And we have to find ways where we can all flourish. Yes. Because underneath my philosophy is the flourishing of humanity. Yes. How can each person, as much as we're able to, yes. flourish so that we can live in peace and harmony? with our neighbors and, and that. So, so the flourishing is really, really important. Yes. Um, Aristotle, my favorite philosopher, had a, uh -huh. a Greek word for this. It was called eudaimonia. Eudaimonia means flourishing or happiness of human beings. Yes. And what he said thousands of years ago is still true today. Yes. Yes. So true, so true. So true, and I, I so agree with you. When I woke up to the truth of oneness, which for, for my awakening came from quantum physics, uh, I watched a, a documentary, What the Bleep, and it was all about quantum physics and, and these the quantum physics has discovered that all life is interconnected and interdependent, and it is just one thing. And yeah. when, when I woke to that, truth to that universal truth of oneness it just for me it made everything simple it answered all all the questions i had were answered with that simple truth of oneness yeah and and that's why i, I you know years later i was inspired to start this show because i truly believe that once mankind awakens to the fact that whatever harm you do to another person you're really just doing to yourself you're not Doing harm to another person is not, what is that solving? You're, yeah. And in truth, you're literally hurting yourself, not, you know, because we're one. And when we wake up to what, I don't think, I don't think there's what, 7 billion people on the planet. I don't think if you ask any one person to look in their heart and say, they want war. Yeah, what does war solve? What has it ever solved? And I don't think not one person on the planet would say, I really want war. Then if that's the case, if we all truly in our heart of heart want peace, why is there war? Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> you know so it's, um, yes. Very interesting, yeah, yeah. And it has something to do with justice, too, in, in, in your comments. Uh, yes. Peace often doesn't reign because there's a lack of justice. And mm -hmm. People have to sort of really think about what is justice. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, I really liked what you were saying then. Um, my mind was going ranging over a, a whole range of things as you were speaking about, um, you know, about quantum physics, for instance. I've been very influenced by uh, 
interpersonal neurobiology and and before that you know i had looked at quantum physics as much as i'm able to i'm not a, yeah. a physicist <laughs> the um, same thing here <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah. but einstein's view that uh, consciousness is uh, is in everybody and it's the same so that you caroline and i uh, our consciousness is the same and quantum physics gives the impression that consciousness existed in the universe before matter yes. and therefore uh, we all share that consciousness and if you look at consciousness and how we all share that uh, we are individual in the sense that our bit of consciousness we use in a way but that universal bit of consciousness is the same so uh, so you're quite right I, I like the philosophy in in Africa of Ubuntu Ubuntu um, is about uh, always looking at your neighbor as yourself and uh, never hurting anybody because you hurt yourself. And I think it's a great philosophy uh, to have. Um, I'd like to see Ubuntu thought of much more universally than, yes. than just in Africa. Yes. So, so yes, um, coming back to values-based education, I, would it be helpful if I talk about a little bit anyway, yes. not a lot, but a little bit about the seven pillars underpin uh, values-based education. Yes, it, please. It may, may be helpful. Um, so a values-based school has chosen its values and I've, I've worked with schools all over the world and school systems and they always come up with a similar list of words okay. um, to look at. Um, primary schools, elementary schools um, for younger children tend to have a range of quite a number of values to look at because if you are developing an ethical vocabulary you need a lot of values. Um, high schools, middle schools, secondary schools, they tend to limit their number of values but then ask the question what character traits do we develop underneath these values? So if we have peace, love, hope, respect, then what are the character traits we want to develop? So values-based education is a character education way of working. It, it helps the character develop in each one of us, but doesn't impose, it draws out. The, the definition of edu education I like is educere, which means drawing out. It's not a forcing in, so you're enabling people. So you've got this, um, this vocabulary that everyone uses. So then what do you do? Well, I've mentioned one already, which is the modeling. Uh, yes. Everybody's got to buy into that. So, so staff, and this could work, it, it's not just schools. We're now having experience in, in industry and uh, businesses that base their work on values. So what do what do we do we uh, my phone's just ringing so i must get it i must tell viewers uh, viewers who that is that's my eldest son who's oh. just because <laughs> he's checking up on that <laughs> ah, very good yes. it, the values are in the family you see and uh, valuing each other is so important in the family so to have a phone go off doesn't worry me. I'm just thrilled that yes. my yes. eldest son wants to talk to me. 
<laughs> modeling, modeling the values, whether it's to your son or to your business colleagues. But yeah. you have to say, well, if we're modeling, what does that really mean? Yes. If we have the word respect, what does that look like as we walk around our business or our school? How do we show that value in actual living? Does it mean, for instance, I walk into a class and then shout at all the children? Is that respect? Um, if I'm with the children, do I use sarcasm or put downs or, you know, is that respect? So the staff have to talk about, well, how do I behave with other human beings? And you can see, Caroline, how that can then start to be challenging. Yes. Because if we've always, you know, been aloof and use put downs and sarcasm and shouted at people then it's very difficult to say well i've got to stop this now right, you know? right. And there's something that's subconscious you were saying before how you're a people watcher yeah. and you notice how people do things habitually yes. which stems from their subconscious so is it something that a person would have to go within it's like well why do i put a person down why do I shout so much? You know, it's something that go within to undercover, uncover all those sub subconscious habitual behaviors. Yeah. yeah. Also, if you have some good friends, people that you can talk with, who you respect, uh, you can start asking them, well, how am I? How, what am I? Because we all have a, a vision of ourselves, but sometimes that vision isn't accurate. Yes. We think, you know, I might think I'm a nice guy, but am I? You know, I need to ask people, right. am I really who I think I am? Right. So, and that process must be very, uh, a curious process rather than a, a judgmental one. Yes. This, this values-based education isn't about judging people or making people be something that they're not. It's about nurturing qualities it's about drawing out and enabling people in a safe environment in order to explore themselves. I, I'm, I've loved exploring myself over my lifetime and there's mm -hmm. still a lot to learn. And uh, I know young children love it too. Yes. Uh, sometimes it gets blocked as we get older and we feel we have to hide and we can't be our true selves. I'm all for be people being who they really are. You know, whatever you are, you know, celebrate that, um, not feel you have to hide that. So, you know, I'm all for coming out, yes. whatever that means to whoever it means. Yes. Uh, you know, it's very important to be yourself uh, so and not, not be anything else. So, yes. so this whole modeling thing is uh, challenging, it's, but it's very rewarding. Yes. Because if people are compassionate to each other, they can help each other. To, uh, and, you know, a lot of humour too, Caroline. Yes, you know, yes. Sometimes all this stuff sounds very sort of serious, and, but it shouldn't be. You know, it can be fun and lighthearted and uh, let's laugh at ourselves. I'm yes. quite good at laughing at myself. Yes. Well, I find, I find that people, when people start actually coming out when i say coming out just living their life living their true self suppressing yeah. who you are is very very unhappy it's an unhappy yeah. life and when you start to actually live your life to who you truly are 
you you start to just laugh out loud for no reason because you're living life you you're doing what your soul we are for me my from my perspective we are not a body we have a body while we're here but we are a divine spirit who came here to have an experience and we came to live life to the fullest and so our soul when we're suppressing who we are our soul is we just you can't be happy if you're hiding and not living life for who you truly are and who you are is unique you're uniquely you and you should be uniquely you and just live life to the fullest and that's when you you find happiness in every now moment when you're living life to the fullest that way and that brings us really neatly on to the next um pillar of values-based education which is it's about uh, it's a term that my wife Jane and I have uh, thought about Jane works with me a lot when we're giving presentations she's a great thinker um, uh, she's helped me enormously I'd like to emphasize that uh, not only with Jane but people often say Neil will you come and talk to us and I'm very pleased to talk but I never want to give the impression it's all about me yeah. I've just been supported by so many wonderful people and it's a lot of the ideas I put forward come from other people yes, uh, because yes. you can't if you're interacting you pick up their thinking and and so I never claim that values-based education is all about Neil Hawkes right, it's not right. it's about all the wonderful people who have helped me um, I wrote about them um, in a book um, in 2013 I brought out a book um, may I show yes you? please yes um, it's called from my heart um, transforming lives through values and okay. it's about um, all the wonderful schools worldwide that are implementing values-based education so there's Australian schools um, and, and all over the world wonderful so the, this can, um, uh, along with all our books, can be bought from Amazon, um, yes. Amazon yes. US or Amazon UK. Um, yes. And yes. the inner curriculum, Jane and I have just finished this book, okay. which is called The Inner Curriculum. Um, um, what is an inner curriculum? The inner curriculum is the internal world of our thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations. I've come to the conclusion, Caroline, that, that more important than school subjects is the inner curriculum first. I agree. If you get the inner curriculum right, then the school subjects fall into place and children will learn really effectively about them. Yes. Uh, but unless you acknowledge that internal world, then children don't learn as, as, as well as they could do. So yes. we're proposing that every school has an inner curriculum so we've given some ideas in the book of all the elements yes. and there are four elements to the inner curriculum four basic elements number one is drawing on interpersonal neurobiology that's the work of great people like dan siegel uh, louis cosolino who lives not far from you he lives okay. in boston okay. um, those two guys are probably the top neuro neuroscientists at the moment and um, 
they have both of them influenced me greatly about how we should enable children to understand this, yes. our brains, what's yes. happening in our brain. Uh, can we understand things like our basic limbic system? As you know, the limbic system controls our emotions and our, mm -hmm. our feelings. Thousands of years ago, they were really useful to us when we were being chased by saber-toothed tigers or whatever it is. Um, our limbic system kept us alive. In today's world, our limbic system can get us into a lot of trouble because it will produce anger, it will produce all sorts of things that are useful in certain circumstances, but not in others. So by children in the inner curriculum understanding about how their brain works, how the, this part at the front, the prefrontal cortex, how that executive functioning of the brain can control what's happening. Yes. So we can, can take control of our internal world Emotion. in a very, very compassionate way. Mm -hmm. uh, in the inner curriculum, that's the first thing. The, the second is something that's based on a psychotherapy. Um, psychotherapy, people who have want to talk to a psychotherapist, they will have their own psychotherapist. But I believe the wisdom of psychotherapy and all the the skills and understanding should be made available much more widely. And yes. from my professional background, I believe teachers need to understand some of, not all of it, but some of the basic components of psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I recommend to listeners the work of uh, uh, Richard Schwartz, Dick Schwartz, mm -hmm. um, and he lives uh, in Boston too. Okay. <laughs> he lives in Brookline. Uh -huh. um, and um, he's, he brought to the world something called the internal family system. Mm -hmm. So you think of your internal world as a family. Mm -hmm. So not only that, but uh, transactional analysis is another great methodology to use. And so there are all sorts of tools. Right. Yes. CBT is another tool. You can go through a lot of tools that will help teachers and yes. to create this inner curriculum. So you've got interpersonal neurobiology, you've got psychotherapy. Then we have all the great educational practices that we know based on sound research, not mm -hmm. based on ideology or political whim. Right. Based on what we know about how children learn effectively. Yes. So that's the third thing, to help children to learn effectively. And lastly, and this will resonate, I think, with you, Caroline, is the wisdom of humanity. What have we learned over 5,000 years about human beings? Mm -hmm. um, my wife and I are, are reading little passages every morning, because I bought her for her birthday, uh, a little book on the Stoics. Okay. So each morning we're having a little sort of, uh, uh, sort of thought for the day yes. from the Stoics. These are people like Seneca, for instance, uh, great, great sort of thinkers. But yes. by dipping into folk like that, you realize that nothing is new. Yes. This wisdom has been around for a long time. Yes. We think in the modern age that we, you know, we, we're discovering things. Well, we don't really discover anything. We do in te technology, and, yes. but we don't in terms of how human beings behave and react and live their lives together that's we've had that wisdom for a long time yes, so we yes. want children to have access 
to that wisdom. So those four parts create the driving energy for uh, schools to make up an inner curriculum. So this little book um, mm -hmm. will help uh, parents, communities to do that. And, um, and I, will, I will have links to both books will be in the write-up for the, for the oh, description. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, both books will have the links to Amazon. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, so the inner curriculum, we, we feel, is so important because I don't know how you would feel in the United States, but in the UK, we are particularly concerned about well-being and resilience. In other words, mental health of mm -hmm. young people. Yes. Uh, we think there's a crisis of mental health yes. issues going on here. And I know through my visits to the United States that that's similar there. So the inner curriculum, we believe, will help. It won't be the answer, but it will help um, schools to think, well, how should we help children to be at peace with themselves? How can we make them really effective learners? How can we help them to be uh, really proficient in their interpersonal relationships? Mm -hmm. So that book will help them. So the inner curriculum is number three. Two, a uh, link to the inner curriculum is something I've been talking about for many years that has now suddenly become worldwide so well known. It's now known as mindfulness. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I but, love, I have to say, I loved when I saw a uh, um, Newsweek edition uh, of mine, and it had mindfulness and it had a lady, um, you know, meditating yo in a yoga position, meditating. And I was like, Mindfulness, yes, it has become, that word has become mainstream, which is great. Yes. <laughs> yes. When I started talking about it, I called it reflection. Mm -hmm. Reflection. Um, I thought that was a neutral word, word that when I started talking about it, I didn't want parents to think we were wanting children to be Buddhists or whatever. Right. Um, we, because we, some of them may not have wanted that. Okay, right. called it reflection. Yes. And uh, so we taught the children how to sit quietly, how to have what we now call brain breaks, you know, being still, so that you can actually go into your internal world and check it out and then come more into, into the external world. Well, so we, I, we taught children how to sit still, not forcing them to sit still, but we taught them how to be. And a lot of the issues in mental health, I believe now, are because young people don't have access to that inner stillness. Um, if you have uh, listening to your iPod or whatever all day and don't give yourself a break from it, or you're on your iPhone, um, iPhones are great, I've got one. It's, right. But if you're there 24 seven, it's not going to do you any good in all sorts of ways. So. Um, I'd love to share a story with you yeah, about that. Um, I have my my grandson. I have one grandchild. He's eight years old. Um, this happened two years ago. Um, he was staying the summer with me, and he knows he, I'm Mima. He knows Mima does her her show, and at that particular time, I was doing live shows on Friday nights. And so he was staying with me and he knows when Mima is doing her show, he has to be quiet. So I was actually, I was doing a show, recording a show live. And I glanced over, he's sitting on the floor, cross leg, Indian style, 
meditating with his eyes closed, holding his hands like this. And I never taught him that. And so after the show, because he said he knows Mima's doing the show, so I have to be quiet. And he, so after the show, and I said, where did you learn that? He said, in school. I was, he goes to a private school in New Jersey. And I was like, oh, my goodness. He learned how to meditate in school. I was so, and he was about six years old at the time. I was so, like, happy. Oh, my goodness. But yes, yes. Wonderful. I, yes. I, and we found that um, helping children to be still had an incredible um, effect on their behavior. Children's behavior improves so much when they have had access to mindfulness in, in whatever way it, it's done. It, it's really incredible. My wife and I, our daily practice every morning is to for half an hour to be in a reflective state. So if we're traveling to give a talk somewhere, we will put our alarm on half an hour earlier so mm. that we will just sit still and just be quiet and uh, allow our minds to settle. And so when we're in, out doing things, we've got plenty of energy then because one of the benefits of mindfulness is it increases energy flow in the body. Yes. So, I do recommend it to everyone. Yes. And all my scientist friends say it is key. So the neurobiologists will say you must ensure that children have access to mindfulness activities. And a values-based school does that. By the way, Caroline, if, if listeners and viewers are, are really interested, I, I hope they will visit our website. May I tell yes. you what the website Please. is? Please, please, yes www.valuesbasededucation, all one word, valuesbasededucation.com. Um, it's the website yeah. that gets more hits than any other website in terms of values in the world. So awesome. it's full of all sorts of materials that people can download free and uh, see. So, so I do recommend it, particularly if any teacher is listening today, do please have a look at valuesbasededucation.com. Yes. And of course, it'll be in the link in the description. <laughs> uh, thank you, Carol. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. So I think we're, we're up to pillar four. Yeah, we? yeah. We're, yes. we're, on to, we're on and to atmosphere next. Okay. Atmosphere. Yes. Uh, atmosphere is, uh, I believe uh, a school should be calm and purposeful. That doesn't mean to say it can't be lively and exciting and, you know, we all let off steam. But the basic feeling of the school should be calm and purposeful. Uh, that calmness emanates from inside. Mm -hmm. um, and purposeful, well, I believe that young people learn best when there's a sense of purpose, when there's uh, an exciting curriculum to be engaged in, where, you know, there's lots of fun to be had. So, yes. so calm and purposeful atmosphere. Um, an atmosphere of equality. Mm. I believe that there should not be any hierarchy of relationships in an organization, only a hierarchy of roles. So everyone okay. knows what role they play. Yes. That doesn't make them better than anybody else. I love the, that. The true job of a leader, and please leaders, if there are any <laughs> leaders listening to me, please note this. The true job of a leader is to release the creative dynamic of everybody who works for you so that 
that dynamic then, ooh, it's allowed to zoom out. And, uh, uh, but most leaders don't do that. They keep down the dynamic. They don't allow individuals to flourish because they want power. So a true leader isn't interested in power. They're interested in enabling people to flourish. And so when I've employed lots of people, I've always employed people who may challenge me, who may want to argue with me, um, but I've always wanted people who have that intelligence in the true sense of intelligence who can, can add to an organization. I've never wanted to appoint people who will do what I want them to do. Yes, yes, yeah. so true. That that is so true. Yeah, yeah. So, so the atmosphere of the organization, whether it's a school or a business, and my, my friends who are in industry now say what I'm saying applies just as much yes. in their lives. Yes, uh, everything you're saying, I can see how it, it does work so well for businesses and yes. organizations to adapt everything you're saying. Yes, because yes. It, it, you know, it allows a business to be more profitable because everyone is more productive and it's less stressful. So many businesses are finding a problem because their employees are stressed. And if they're too stressed, they're not productive. So you have to ensure that, you know. Yes. We've known this for a long time, but uh, I think some businesses are now taking it very seriously. So yes. that's atmosphere. Then we come on to the curriculum. The curriculum is the school, the whole school curriculum. That's all the subjects whether it's science, mathematics, um, literature, whatever the subjects are, you will find the values in them. Yes. So values are in all the subjects, but they're also in a discrete lesson as well. So we explore, it can be in citizenship, it can be in personal social education, it, but a lesson is devoted to exploring, experiencing creatively what uh, the values are about. So that values language is explicitly taught and implicit. So uh, you use it implicitly by saying things like, Caroline, you have shown great respect to me this afternoon. Thank you. And you've also been very cooperative. So those are two values, you see. So gradually you are learning, if you were a student of mine, those words, and you would start then using them yourself. You would say to the teacher, perhaps, you haven't shown much patience today. So you would okay. be using the values. Yes. And yes, you would yes. take them home. So mm -hmm. the folks at home would then say, what's this values stuff you're learning? You seem to be more respectful now. Can we know something more? So then the family may have a fridge magnet with a value on the fridge magnets. And that becomes the value that the family is talking about. Yes. And, uh, that's where it spreads right through. So, so the curriculum is everything. And, uh, but it I needs leadership, it. which is the next thing. Mm -hmm. What we desperately need in the world are leaders with a, a, a moral compass, um, a compass that will really, really help organizations, governments, um, businesses to flourish with the sort of philosophy that I'm talking about today. Without that leadership, Caroline, it won't happen. So I'm spending a lot of my time, and the reason I've spoken to you today is that I'm hoping that there'll be some listeners who are listening to you that will say, yes, this really is the way forward 
for our, our, how we run our politics, our social services, our education, our police forces, our armies, everything yes. relates to what Neil is talking about. Yeah. So that's leadership. Lastly is, and by no means least, and all these are introduced simultaneously, not yes. on their own, um, is the ethical vocabulary. And the magic about the ethical vocabulary, which are the values words, the magic is they give us something I've termed called ethical intelligence. And ethical intelligence, I think, is the most important intelligence that we human beings need for the 21st century. Ethical intelligence and a subset of that is emotional intelligence. So if you have an ethical intelligence, as you said in when you were talking, you can't harm another human being if you've got ethical intelligence. Yes. You will cooperate with others. That does not mean that you won't, you won't stand up for justice. Sometimes you have to say, no, this is wrong. Values-based education is not something that sits back and allows atrocities to happen. We've got to say, no, that's not right yes. uh, as human beings. So that's important. All those words, the first letter of all those words make a word, okay. if you look at them. So you've got modeling, inner curriculum, reflection, M-I-R, A for atmosphere, C for curriculum, L for leadership, E for ethical vocabulary. All those letters make the word miracle. Mm. Miracle. I'm using miracle not in a religious context, but in, in that it's transformational. It just does something really incredibly magical if you use those seven elements in your organization. Yes. And that's the basis of values-based education, which I think could help humanity to um, be sustainable, not just for the 21st century, for the 22nd. Yeah. So the sort of values we need to think about is, is the values, you know, I was speaking to in Iceland recently, and the president of Iceland said, the ice cap is melting. It's melting really fast. But some politicians are saying there's no such thing as climate change. Mm. I can tell you, Neil, there is climate change. Yes. Whether it's all down to human beings is arguable, but a proportion of it is. So our values, do we value the environment? Sir David Attenborough in the UK produced a program called The Blue Planet, which showed how plastics are ruining our oceans. We've got, as human beings, to do something about plastic waste. We cannot go on dumping it in the oceans as we are doing at the moment. So our values will help us to stop doing that. Stop being selfish. The me before others. Values-based education says we've got to think of everybody. So once you're into values, you're into ethical dilemmas. How can we help everybody? Yes, and yes. that's why it's so, so important. Yes, yes. I love the word miracle. For me, a miracle isn't, I don't think of it as a religious connotation for any particular uh, religion. For me, I think of it scientifically. For mm. me, a miracle is when you raise, everything is vibration. And, that, and when you raise your vibration um, by raising ethical 
moral values. And I really, I don't like the word morals that much because people can go yeah, left or right with that. But, uh, but just when you raise your consciousness, yeah. so when you raise your consciousness, that's when, and you do it individually and then it happens collectively. And as consciousness raise, miracles happen. That is I couldn't agree yes. more. That's, that's what ha has happened in my life. Yes. <laughs> I often ask uh, Caroline, why am I talking with you and the listeners today and the people who are watching? Why, why me? I'm just a very ordinary guy. Um, I'm not the biggest end intellect on the planet. Why me? And uh, I just think I just act as a sort of mouthpiece and people have just encouraged me to, to speak out. Yes. And so I am speaking out on yes. behalf of every ordinary person just like me, because yes. uh, we need to speak out. Yes, so good, so so true. I love the work that you're doing. That's why I said I must have you on the show because I love what you're doing and everything you, you're, you're doing comes to the, the truth of oneness and us awakening, you had said it's nothing new. Ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching us this truth of unity, of oneness for eons. And so, and now quantum physics is now the new part is the quantum physics is, is proving that what ancient wisdom was teaching eons ago, now science is actually proving it. So I, that's why I like to bring in the science a lot because it's, it's not just, we're not just talking spirituality. We're talking that all things are literally connected and that one thing is us. And when you hurt any part of us, you're hurting all of us. Yeah. So, yeah. This is so true. Thank you so much, Dr. Neil. I am definitely, I will be sending you all of the information so you can share this with okay. your your uh, followers, um, I don't know if you do the social media <laughs> over there in the UK, but uh, I, I just thank you so much and I'm so honored to have you as my guest. And I'm definitely, I can't wait, I'm gonna be looking for your TED talk. <laughs> I gotta see it. I, I feel really honored to have been asked by you, Caroline. I, I really connected with you today and uh, it's great to talk with someone who's really very values based so it's been a great honor for me to talk with you thank you very much and if any listener is listening and wants to find out more then please contact me through our website i'd be yes. delighted thank you thank, thank you. you so much you have thank a great you. evening i know you it's evening there it's around dinner time it's not later Lunchtime for me. <laughs> uh, enjoy your lunch and I'll enjoy my dinner. All righty. Okay. Bye for now. Bye bye. Bye.